Hey guys, it's Katie and welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Nika and today we have a super quick episode for you guys where we talk about trends we are seeing right now in the job market. Hey guys, I'm super excited to get into this because there's been a lot of talk and I've, I've seen a lot of posts recently about how millennials are poor because you know wages are stagnant and there's no opportunity for people to level up their income. And that was kind of the inspiration for this episode today, because we want to show people through data, through statistics, that there is a ton of opportunity and for how to actually take advantage of a new opportunity that comes about, specifically how to negotiate your salary. So in terms of the data and where my frame of reference comes from and where we want to kind of drive this conversation today, my role, my, my job, in case you guys don't know, is I'm a senior account executive at Indeed.com, which is a job site. And I work with employers all across Canada, and I help them strategically hire the right people that they need in order to grow their business or meet their hiring goals. So I am in this kind of data day in and day out. I have a very, very strong understanding of what the Canadian job market looks like. And we'll talk about the U.S. a little bit for our U.S. listeners as well. The Canadian labor market added 94,000 positions in the month of July. And this left employment 1.3%, only 1.3%, let me say, below its pre-pandemic levels from February 2020. A lot of the gains were in full-time positions. We had about 83,000 positions, full-time roles that were added in July and 11,000 part-time roles that were added. We look at different industries. A lot of the gains were concentrated in the service industry, like food services, but finance, insurance, real estate, leasing. There, there was a lot of activity, a lot of job volume that was added in these segments as well. So roles that we're still, we're still lacking in, opportunities, the sectors that we're still lacking jobs in are, of course, recreation, culture, and due to travel restrictions, hospitality is a little bit behind, but it is picking up significantly. So the Canadian labor market is picking up. In the U.S., for our U.S. listeners, we had almost a million jobs that were added in July, and also we're seeing similar trends. But as a whole, where we're at right now, let's talk about the U.S. for a second, there are significant hiring incentives that employers are offering, whether that be bonuses, hiring bonuses, referral bonuses, they're trying to get people through their door. And the same thing is happening in Canada, but employers are just now starting, into, starting to introduce some of these hiring incentives, mainly hiring bonuses. And it's, it's being done more so for hard to fill roles. But my point here is there's a, a lot of opportunity in the job market and employers are really struggling to find people. So I want you guys to think about the fact that there is, there is opportunity out there. I know I've said the word opportunity like six times throughout this. You could probably play a drinking game, take a shot when Nika says opportunity, but that is the theme of this episode. There, it exists, it's out there. You just need to be open to it. And millennials and it's the workforce in general is looking for, for their next play. I was looking at some data that was showing 41% of people are considering leaving their current employer in search of their next move. 41% of people, take that in for a second. That's almost half the workforce looking for something new. So where, where is the disconnect here? 
between employers looking to find great talent, having 94,000 jobs added in July, the job market almost back up at pre-pandemic levels, offering all of these hiring incentives, where, where is the disconnect? And I think the disconnect lies in mindset and the disconnect lies in people being able to realize how blessed we are to live in this country, to be able to work and to have all of this insert synonym for opportunity available to us. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the biggest problem right now that our country and economy faces is now the mindset of everyone because once CERB got introduced and people were realizing, hey, you know, I'm not making a bad income of $2,000 a month or whatever my EI is, especially couples, let's say both on sir, bringing in four grand a month, you can live a pretty decent lifestyle on four grand a month as a couple. I think a lot of people are taking advantage of that now and becoming a little bit, dare I say, lazier and having no incentive to work. And I think that is a huge problem with our economy right now. And a lot of the reason why employers are struggling to fill their positions. Yeah, to give our US listeners some context, CERB was a program that was similar to the STEMI checks that you guys got. It was basically money that the government printed in order to make sure that people were able to meet their obligations, make sure that they weren't foreclosing on their homes. They were able to pay their mortgages, pay their rent, and people weren't out on the streets. And a lot of people did lose their jobs, unfortunately, during the pandemic, right? It was, it was a very, very tough time for employers, for employees, for everyone. So I, I don't want to say that CERB is the main driver in that. It, it did definitely play a role, but also just the uncertainty around the pandemic, around certain industries completely collapsed. And now with the Delta variant and cases coming up, I think there's mm-hmm. still a little bit of that in certain industries. And that's why it's been so tough for people to bring workers back to, to food, the, to the food sector, for example, like servers, a lot of the uh, job increases that we saw were in the food sector, people reopening restaurants, reopening their, their establishments and calling back servers, line cooks, um, and, and all of those roles back in. Line cooks are actually some of the hardest people to recruit right now. So if you guys are looking for a job and you know you that's something that you're passionate about, or you've got like friends and family that um, are between work, definitely let them know that if they've got some cooking skills, that is what our economy needs right now. You know, Anika, that is a fair point. I think a lot of people are also still extremely terrified of this virus um, and of the pandemic and may not want to go back into the office or into restaurants or into work right now. So that very well could be another huge playing factor as to why there are a surplus of jobs and a lack of demand from candidates looking for jobs. Definitely. I think also, Katie, you hit the nail on the head when you're saying people are still afraid. I think just things have changed so much right? If you think about what's going on in our world, like so many industries, unfortunately, retail was always on the brink, on the brink of its decline, let's say. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things that the pandemic has changed completely. And this actually reminds me of a conversation I had with someone the other day. I was out with some friends. It was like three in the morning. I don't usually have these kind of nights, but whatever. We had a 
couple bottles of tequila and it was uh, it was a long night. But at 3 a.m. I find myself downtown and we're trying to find a speakeasy. Turns out the speakeasy closed. Um, and I, I meet this girl outside and she's trying to get into her apartment, but she doesn't have her keys and she's locked out. And I just end up striking up a conversation with her. We end up chatting. She tells me about her life story and how she was homeless for three years. And what she does now is she supports people that society has kind of kicked to the curb, people that society doesn't really care about. And we were we were having a really candid conversation about what we can do to help. How do we lift these people up? And you know, she was saying that, unfortunately, even though there's all these jobs that are added, a lot of people are being pushed out because their skill set or the, the work that they do is no longer needed by our economy. And she was saying like, roles at cashiers, for example, if somebody is in a difficult position, they come from a small town, let's say there's not a lot of opportunity there. There we go again, that my favorite word this episode. Um, there's not a lot of opportunity for people. So they go and they find, you know, low wage entry level work. But a lot of those roles have shifted. And if you look at McDonald's, for example, and Ikea, uh, they're instituting or they're, they're using tech in order to make their processes way more efficient. And so I had a very candid conversation with her about how we now need to level up our skill set and we need to evolve with these changes. We can't be stagnant because if we're stagnant, the world is going to change so fast and we're going to get left behind. So the key is to constantly, constantly level up your skill set. And if there are no more opportunities in the sector that you're in, then you need to go out and learn new skills in order to be employable. No, I completely agree with that statement, especially with what you just said about there's no more opportunities in the sector that you're in. It's time to be resilient, go online, take some free courses. There are a lot of free courses out there from universities. Go on YouTube, level up your knowledge, and then figure out what your next steps are. There's, again, as Nika said multiple times throughout this episode, there are always opportunities out there. You just need to be a go-getter and create those opportunities for yourself. And Katie and I always say, like, nobody is going to hand you anything in life. Nobody is going to come up to you and bring a silver platter and say, here, here is a new job for you. Here is a raise, right? Sometimes a company might, if they're very generous and you've been doing good work, they might give you a raise. But a lot of the times you need to take life into your own hands and go after whatever it is that you want. Nika is hundred percent right when she says no one's going to hand you anything. And you know what? No one owes you anything either. How even the government? Nope. However, we now are in unprecedented times where, and we were, we were going to transition into this and you may have heard me hinting at this, but there are a surplus number of jobs out there now. And many companies such as the one I work at currently are struggling to find good candidates to fill these roles. So what a lot of these companies are doing, and I know this because a few of my friends have been hired this way, are companies are actually reaching out to people on LinkedIn through their recruiters and through their HR team and asking them if they would like to interview for their roles because they're not having enough people apply through Indeed, through LinkedIn for their roles. And they're desperate to find talent to fill these roles. So right now is a great time to level up your resume, get on LinkedIn, get on Indeed, 
And chances are, and I'm not promising anything because I, I have no idea, but chances are people will start to reach out to you. And this is one of the ways how you can create those opportunities for yourself. Definitely. And it's not, it's not just LinkedIn, like indeed, for example, one of the biggest things that I hear from employers all the time is we can't find good quality candidates or we're not getting enough applicants. Those are the two biggest overarching themes that I deal with. And then for every company, it is different because there are so many factors that go into that. But the biggest piece there is just that companies are looking for people to apply. So if you've been thinking about a new opportunity, go out there, throw your resume out, you know, connect with people that are currently in the role, get an understanding of what that company actually does, but don't just sit there and think that the next opportunity for you is going to fall into your lap. You need to go out there and get it. Life doesn't happen to you. You create it. And laziness doesn't get you anywhere. Just for some context, when I applied to my current position in the midst of the pandemic, I I applied a lot through LinkedIn. So I saw on LinkedIn, it has this feature where you see how many other people have applied to this position. And I would say on average, and I applied to a ton of positions, but on average, it was something like 550 applicants, 2000 applicants. And I applied within like 24 hours or within like the first few days of this posting even being up. Now, a similar role to mine that my company is now hiring for can't even get 30 applicants. And of those 30 applicants can't find a handful of them that they believe to be quality applicants or applicants that fit the job description. So now is such an opportune time for people who are looking to transition to the next, their next role, or to just get into the job market in general. 100%, Katie, you hit the nail on the head there. And I think people don't realize how much of a job seeker market it is. So whenever I look at data to see how many employers are hiring for a specific position in a specific city or province or even just nationwide, and then I look at how many people are looking for work, the gap for the majority of, of roles, like servers, for example, is a great example. It just it widens every single day. So those jobs are out there. The one last thing that I want to, to add about this, and this is this is specifically something that affects women is women will read a job description, look through nine of the different job requirements or qualifications and try to make sure that they hit every single one. Whereas a man, and this is a huge generalization, yes, but overarching trends do show this, that a man will read that same job description and find four of the nine requirements or qualifications and apply. Whereas women will make sure that they are as close as possible. So a lot of those requirements that employers set out are nice to haves. Some of them are very, very critical, especially if it's a more technical role, you need to make sure that you're able to navigate the software or understand, you know, the, the role. And from an experience standpoint, sometimes they do add in more years of experience because they want to find people that are qualified. The point Nico is trying to make is even if you don't think you match up to the job description or the qualifications perfectly or near perfectly, 
still apply. You still have a great shot of getting, you know, a call, a screen call from their HR department or even an interview off. And you don't know the other type of applicants that are applying. So even though you might only hit or check off seven of the nine key qualities or qualifications they're looking for, I've been this person. I've been someone who's hit off maybe three out of the nine or four out of the nine applying to a job. So if the job interests you and, you know, you have some relatable work experience, or even if you have none relatable work experience, but, you know, your education, you think you can utilize for this role, it never hurts to apply. And this is a far stretch, but it's kind of like how Nika and I were talking about in one of our most recent episodes with the real estate market and purchasing your first home. Just because let's say a, a home is priced above your budget doesn't mean you shouldn't make an offer because you have no idea what the seller or the employer, you have no idea what their position is and what they're looking for and what other offers are again, in our case, in the job market, other applicants are putting forth. I think when you said you don't know what the employer is going through, that's a very, very critical piece because the company may have just had somebody leave unexpectedly. Like in Katie's, in Katie's position, she had a couple people leave unexpectedly and Katie had to tackle all of the work that fell on her. And it was a very, very hectic time, but that company was, was desperately looking to find somebody qualified to fit the role and they were struggling. So always apply because you don't know what the company is going through. They might need to fill the role ASAP, in which case, if you are looking fairly, fairly soon, or you, you want to move jobs fairly quickly, and you don't want a lot of time off, that's a perfect scenario for you. And one last thing to add is the worst thing that can happen from an application is you don't hear back. Exactly. Like, truthfully, there's no, there's no downside. Yeah. Or, or you get a nice little rejection email, like, we're sorry, we went in a different direction. Yeah. So we talked about what the job market looks like, the fact that there's a ton, a ton of jobs out there right now, the fact that even if you don't hit every single qualification, you should still apply if that's a position that interests you. But now what happens when you finish the interview process, you've gone through an extensive round of interviews, you're at the table now, and they come at you with an offer, and you want to negotiate. So Katie, I want to talk to our audience about your experience, because you were in this position very recently, back in November. And I remember I was in Costa Rica at the time you called me and you were like, Nick, I'm so excited. I got the offer, but now I want to negotiate. What do I do? So let's, let's share your experience. What did, what did you do? What was that experience like? So first and foremost, before interviewing with any company, it's really important when you go through those HR screen calls and you have those conversations just to flat out ask them what the salary range for the role is because then this will help you understand whether they are willing to pay you what you want or expect or expect based off of the job descriptions or the qualifications of the role. After you go through that HR screening process, you go through your interviews and now you have an offer in front of you. The first thing, or even before your offer, the first thing you should do is your research and figure out what industry standards or market standards are for the role that you're applying to. For example, if you're applying as a financial analyst to a company, the first thing I would do is I'd go on Google and type in what is the salary range for a financial analyst with so-and-so experience in this sector. And from there, you have kind of a clear idea as to, 
okay, this is kind of the range that I'm working with here. So the experience overall was a pretty positive, but obviously nerve wracking one. There's a little bit of, um, friendly confrontation that takes place. And if you're not a very confrontational person or haven't done confrontation like that before, it can be very, very intimidating. The first thing that I did though, was I made sure that I knew what the industry standard for that position that I was applying to was. So then I had kind of a number in my head where I, or a range in my head where I said, okay, this is an acceptable range. If I fall within this range, then I would be happy accepting this job. And once you have that kind of number range in your head, once you get your offer, first of all, you should never accept the first offer that a company gives you because I guarantee you nine times out of 10, or even 10 times out of 10, it's a low ball offer. Companies have a range and normally the range is within 10 to 20,000. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nika. I'm not sure if you know, but within 10 to $20,000, like a budget of a range for a certain role. So when they give you your first offer, it tends to be on the lower to mid, to mid, I would say, um, side of the range. So yeah. companies, so companies have something called OPEX or operating expenditure, which is a budget that they set aside for employee salaries. So ahead of the calendar year, they, the finance team goes through significant budget planning to understand how much money we have to give out to salaries. So a lot of it is pre-planned and then on a quarterly basis, they make reports for it. So at the end of the day, whenever they are bringing on a new role, this is for massive companies, small companies are definitely very different. It's all done ad hoc um, and maybe a little bit in advance, but they, they have a certain range in mind for salaries for a specific department. So if you do want to negotiate your salary, just understand that that employer also does have certain ranges that they need to work with. Exactly. So the first point I wanted to drive home is when they give you your first offer, chances are you're getting the lower to mid end of that range. So when you go back with them with a number and you negotiate, the first thing you really want to do is help the HR rep or the hiring manager understand why you deserve what you're asking for. For example, do you have a professional designation or an MBA? What is your experience like? Do you have any direct work experience? Will they have to spend less time training you for this role? Do you have multiple job offers? All it's these a big one. It's a big one on training. All these points are super valid and you can also use these to your advantage when negotiating. The other thing that I would really recommend when going through this negotiation process is just to stay, try to stay as calm as possible during it, because a lot of the times it will be over the phone. It can be nerve wracking, especially when they're not maybe giving you the number that you want for the position. So outside of just salary, there's also the whole job offer in general, like a job opportunity is much more than just the salary, right? There's also the satisfaction you get from the job. So I don't want you to just be fixated on money. You want to focus on the value of the entire deal, right? The responsibilities, the location, travel, flexibility, right? Can you work from home? Hours. Are there hours. Are there opportunity for growth, perks, education, all of this? So understand that it's not just the actual salary that you're going in to negotiate. It's the whole package. And the other key thing that... Katie, I don't know if you did, but negotiating multiple issues simultaneously instead of going one after another is really key. 
because let's say you go in and you say, okay, I want 46,000. And then they're like, okay, well, how about 44? And then you're like, okay, fine. Also, I want three weeks of vacation time instead of two, which I think three is the, the standard. But so let's say you want an extra week of vacation time. They're not going to be as likely to, to still be generous. And in that same understanding mood, they're going to be a little bit more hesitant because, well, why didn't you just tell me everything you wanted from the start? Yeah, it, it's it's very important to be as transparent as possible and kind of bring everything up forth at the same time. Because they might think after, you know, you get one thing checked off your list, if you keep going on and on, they, they might think this person's now being greedy. They got what they wanted for the salary. Now they're coming for, you know, work hours. Now they're coming with vacation asks. So it's, yeah, that's a great point. It's super important to present them with everything you want kind of right away and negotiate that all as a bundle deal or a package because it is a bundle. And you made a really great point. You know, job offers aren't just salary. For me, you know, starting my career, that was a big part of it because I'm willing to put in longer hours vacation. Yes, it matters to me because I have a travel bug and I love to travel, but especially during this time, COVID, I wasn't too excited about having all these weeks of vacation because I'm like, I can't travel anyway. So those things weren't as important to me, but it's definitely a good idea to negotiate everything that is important to you upfront. And another thing that might be important to you and that you definitely can negotiate, which I wish I did and did do were benefits. A lot of the time when you start into a new role, if you're not in the exec or manager level, you get a very basic level of benefits that sometimes doesn't even cover um, eye care. I don't know what it is. Um, optometry. optometry. And for me, being blind as a bat, that is super important because contacts and glasses and all that can be super expensive. That can be super important for people who may actually have medical issues or have lots of prescriptions that they have to take medication. So just keep that in mind. Salary isn't the only thing that you can negotiate. My last point um, and something that I want to drive home is just stay super calm throughout this process. Again, I know it can be super nerve wracking. And if you know they're not budging or giving you the number you want, it can be super frustrating but stay calm, be respectful, be likable. The more that people like you, the more willing they are to go to bat for you and to give you something you're happier with or happy with. Yeah. There's, there's an actual saying back in, back in my home country. And it's, uh, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's all about like kindness and how like a kind child gets twice the amount of resources. And it's the same like with life in general, you know, if you're kind and you are, if you're kind and you're polite and you're likable, people are going to be much more willing to work with you. And keep in mind, like you're working with these people moving forward. I mean, the HR person you're maybe not working day to day with, but you could have two people that you're negotiating with. It could be your hiring manager or it could be your HR manager. And if depending on which one, which person you're talking to, the conversation is going to go a little bit differently. So Katie, do you remember who you were at that the conversation with? Who were you at the table with? Was it your manager? So I was negotiating with the HR manager, but the HR manager had to go get the approval from the hiring manager. So uh, initially you go through HR for the most part, but they need to get approval on a number from the hiring manager. Exactly. And that goes back to my point about OPEX. So they're, they're understanding and trying to see if they have budget remaining to actually meet your request. Okay. So you were at the table with, with the HR manager. Yes. 
how did the conversation go? So did you, when you went into that, did you give them a number first? Did you like slide it across the table virtually? Wrote no. down on a piece of paper, just, you know. No, so what ended up happening is, again, as I recommended, before I even went for an offer, I asked the, actually the HR rep asked me, what are your salary expectations for this role? And I gave her a small range, I think a $5,000 range. And she said, yeah, that's pretty much in line with what we are willing to provide the person for this role. So I'm like, great, you know, everyone's on the same page. And when I got my offer, what I was presented with was, I would say significantly lower, but lower than what I originally gave my range to be. So let's say, for example, I told them anywhere between 20 to 25,000 is what I want to make for the year. And they came in around like 18.5. And I said, I was very upfront and honest. And I said, you know, I have two other offers on the table, given my work experience at this company and given my education, I think an industry standard I won't accept anything less than this number. And And industry standard, sorry, KK, is really, really key because when you're going into a conversation armed with data and knowing what you're worth, it makes that conversation that much easier. So ways that you can do that is one, you can talk to people in similar roles and just point blank ask them. Like, I, I don't think that salary conversation should be as taboo, especially if you're trying to get into that role and you're trying to help somebody out, like it's okay to be transparent in that sense. But you can also find a lot of information publicly where people report it on sites like Glassdoor, um, on Indeed as well, on LinkedIn. Like there's there's a lot of different forums where people report what their salary is. And so you can use that data when you go into these conversations. Exactly. So that's what I did. And I ended up, the HR rep said, you know, I have to take this back, speak to the hiring manager about this, and we'll get back to you within 24 or 48 hours. And they they came back to me with a number that I was happy with. So I ended up accepting it and it was a very short-lived negotiation process, but I'm, I'm super happy with myself for actually going through with it because again, it can be very nerve wracking and I never personally done it before. But at the end of the day, it got me more money. And I'm, I'm so proud of you, though, babe, like you, I remember for, for the, you know, couple months before when you were recruiting, and you were looking at different opportunities, like you had spent so much time and just grinded and made sure that you were putting your best foot forward. And you went in there with a number with something in mind, and you got it like you were successful, which is incredible. So that's why we're sharing these stories, because, you know, these, these kinds of things are important for people to hear and know that when they're at the table negotiating, they can learn some of these tips and, and get the same income, that, same outcome. They can learn these tips and get the same outcome that you did, which is incredible. Like we've got to lift each other up, right? Yeah. And I think it's super important for everyone to realize that negotiating is not a form of disrespect to the employer. You know, the reason why I didn't do that for my first job is because I thought, you know, what if they rescind the offer if I negotiate? What if they get annoyed that I'm negotiating with them and they, you know, take back the offer and give it to someone else? And from what I've learned and from what I've seen, that rarely ever does happen. And 
you shouldn't let that stop you from, from going in and ask for more money and, you know, getting what you think you're worth out of it. hundred percent. When a company gives you an offer, it's because they want you right. Their recruiting process. Think about things from their perspective, right? They've just had tens of interviews, seen hundreds of candidates, potentially like screen through hundreds of resumes. So they've gone through a really, really long process in order to get to the final stages and interview the right person. So they want you. And what your job is, is to make it clear that they can actually get you. So if you are going through the process and you're disrespectful and, you know, at the end of the day, that says a lot about your character. And so in that situation, yes, the company might resend the offer, but they want to negotiate and they want to be in this conversation with somebody that they know they can get. And sometimes from the candidate's perspective, you've got to explain why everybody wants you or why you're top talent and why they should pay you what you're worth. It sucks that we need to do this. Like, why can't a company just acknowledge and pay me what I'm worth? But from the company standpoint, going back to OPEX and that whole conversation, they have certain budgets and requirements from their finance team, from their CFO, for how they need to spend their resources in order to be profitable, because that's how companies work. So keep that in mind. So Nika, just to add on to my point, have you ever negotiated your salary? In my current opportunity, no. And in my past opportunity, it was also my first job out of school. And so I wasn't as um, as knowledgeable and didn't even realize that that's something that I, I was able to do. I thought just like, like you said, that they would resend my offer. So I'm really happy we're doing, we're talking about this so that other people who are going to be in this position can learn from it. Let's, let's do a quick summary, a quick recap of all the things that we talked about, because there's a lot of good points in here. So first and foremost, the job market is booming right now. It is a job seekers market. If you are a job seeker, you are in control. Apply for everything that you are passionate about, that you are interested in, even if you don't have all of the qualifications. Create your own opportunities, guys. 100%. Life doesn't happen to you, you create it. So go out there, make those opportunities for yourself. Open those doors and don't just open them, kick the door open, kick the door wide open, right? So that you are setting yourself up for success. And I, Katie and I've talked about this in the past about how employment income is such a great source of income for you to be able to then build multiple income streams, invest and, and build your financial wealth. So don't look at employment income as the enemy. People with regular jobs are still cool. Shout out to you guys. You guys are crushing it. And when you are in the position to negotiate, there's a lot of different tips that we talked about. Mainly coming in armed with information, armed with knowledge, so that you can go out there and have a very strategic conversation. Another great point we made today is to always apply, take your chances. Even if you don't check off all the boss boxes or qualifications, it doesn't hurt to still apply. You don't know what position the employer's in. So always take a chance there. On the negotiation side, always do your research before. Get salary expectations from the HR rep. Figure out what the industry standard is for your role. Help the recruiter, HR person, whoever you're talking to, understand why you deserve what you're asking for. And always be calm and polite while going through this negotiation process because being polite goes a long way. And don't just think of, a job 
as a salary. There are so many other pieces that are involved in a job offer. So understand that there's a lot more to it than just the salary that you're negotiating. You have, you have other leeway and other things that you can actually negotiate on. So there was a lot in this episode. Hopefully if you're listening to this, you've made it all the way through. Some of this content helped you. If you're out there thinking about finding a new job, don't just think, go do, go apply, go out there and let us know if you try some of these tactics, let us know how it goes. We love to hear success stories. Nothing fires us up more than knowing that the information, the content that we put out there helps people because it takes us time to build this, right? It takes us so much time to go out there, to record, to edit, to put together all of these posts that we make, these stories, right? So it, it makes us feel fulfilled and it's the reason why we do what we do. So if this helped you, if you like this, let us know, just pop into our DMs and be like, hey, I listened to this episode and it was great. Just puts a smile on our faces and we're, we're always open to feedback. So shoot us a DM. Our DMs are always open. Slide right into them. <laughs> um, but that's all for today, guys. Thanks so much for hanging around, for hearing us blab on and on about how much opportunity there is. Yeah, good luck and happy job hunting. And we'll see you next week, guys. Happy hunting, guys. Bye. Cheers.